Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We are not doing this, however, without considering the works we are committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Hi, everybody. How are you? How's it going? As well, this uh, video that we just watched, that's part of a series called The Bible Project. So it's uh, a group of individuals that are wanting to tell the entire scripture through in that type of format. Uh, It's a a beautiful thing. Your baby is amazing. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. Um, So the the book of Job. Uh, This is one of my favorite stories to read in the scriptures. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful piece of poetry written more than 2,500 years ago. And it's, isn't it interesting to think that something written 2,500 years ago would still be relevant to us today? Uh, it's really cool to be able to pick up a book and read it and see the emotion that he was going through and to realize uh, that that's something that you and I, just living life, we experience things like that uh, throughout our, our lifetime. And if you've never experienced deep pain, You've known people that have experienced deep pain, or you also know that chances are we'll, at some point in our life, experience that type of of pain and difficulty. Isn't it um, interesting to think that all of us started out really with the same experiences? I'm glad I can't remember my own um, birth. I'm really glad. Uh, But isn't it weird to think that all of us started out, there's another beautiful baby too, Oh, congratulations. Oh, that's awesome. We all started out with nothing other than the family that we were born into. Um, we didn't know anything. Um, all we had were our instincts that taught us, or basically we knew how to you know, breathe. Uh, we knew a couple of those basic things, but everything in our life, we depended on our parents. And really the world around us, even as your eyes open, as a newborn baby, you don't see the world around you. You you, um, eventually will just see things that are right here. And then uh, in in time, your ability to see further and further out grows. Isn't it cool to think that every human being on earth, no matter how different we are, we all started out there. And then it's interesting to think that everything we learn about the world, we 
have to experience. Uh, some of it's through things that people we trust tell us and they, the people that, that we know. Uh, some of us, some of us um, we learn things because of the country that we live in. I mean, do you ever stop and wonder, what would you be like if you had been born 10,000 miles away from here in another country with a different experience? It's interesting to think about. And then so much of who we are comes from our experiences. We know um, don't mess with fire because we touched a hot stove. Uh, We know not to run into the street because our parents warned us, uh, you run into the street, you're going to get hit by a car. right? So everything we know, we have to learn from seeing the world around us. And then even take it deeper than that. Everything we know about God, we have to learn. Right? It's, it's interesting to think, um, how do you learn about God? Um, a lot of it comes from the people that we know and love and trust or the, the communities that we're a part of. A lot of it is God's working in our lives even when we don't know it. Uh, a lot of it is the struggles that we have. But one of the things that, um, there's a book by C.S. Lewis. It was, it came from one of his writings called The Problem of Pain. And he was dealing with immense pain in his life. And one of the things that he said in that book is that God speaks to us, not even speaks, shouts to us through our suffering. That it's in the moments of life that are painful and difficult, um, the moments where we don't know Uh, which way is up. We don't know that we're going to make it through to the next moment, that it's in those moments that God actually gets our attention. And C.S. Lewis says God does speak to us, of course, through our pleasures. And it says he whispers to us through our pleasures. But have you ever noticed in your life that there are certain moments you're more um, willing and desiring to actually know God or understand God than at others? Do you ever notice, I don't know if it's this way for you, but usually for me when life is like normal and good and, and everything's fine, it's all in place, I, I kind of, my connection to God kind of goes into autopilot. It's just, uh, it's normal. I go through the motions. It's when there's some kind of a, um, a crisis in my life or a moment that I just don't know what tomorrow is going to look like or I'm really sad or I'm really hurting or I'm dealing with some kind of doubt. Those are the moments that I feel most connected to God. And so when I read the story of Job, I absolutely love it because Job's trying to make sense of the world around him. Have you ever found yourself in that position where you're trying to know what's true, what's right, uh, what's good, what's the correct way for me to make the next decision? Where do I need to be? Um, um, Have you ever found yourself in that position where you just don't know which way is up? And it's cool because Job has these friends that come to him. And, and I just want to take a moment, just we'll walk through the story, but I want to give you time to be able to think in your life too about where, where that is. Job's friends come to him. And I think typically we would look at them and, and go, oh, they're, they're bad and wrong, but they come with a right heart. Um, it says, I'm, I've read through the story this past week, and it says that his friends have great compassion for him. Have you ever had a friend who's been hurting and struggling and you wish you could take some of the burden off of them, um, help them through it because you just see them uh, as if they, they really can't operate and you, you want to carry the burden for them? Well, that's what happens. His friends come to him and they see him in, in immense pain and they don't know what to say. And so they're sitting and watching Job have to go through this absolutely horrific moment. Horrific a devastating moment, and they're trying to make sense of it. And all of us um, in in life, whenever we go through tough times, we try to make sense of it. 
our vision of who God is um, colors the way we go through bad situations. Um, and so what do Job's friends say? What do they think at first is the reason Job is going through the issues that he's going through? Yeah, sin. That's right. And, and why do they say that? Why do you think they say that? Are they trying to be mean to Job? Why do you think, what, what, is, your ta- what, what is your thought about why you think they say that sin is the problem here, Job? Sin is the reason you're going through this. What's that? Because he's suffering. Makes sense to them. You get what you deserve. So what you start to see, and it's really interesting, but you start to see this is, this is the way that they understand how life works. So for them, they look at it and go, if I'm hurting, if, if life doesn't make sense and I, things aren't working well for me, it must be because I've done something wrong. I must have sinned. Um, if somebody's not living life well or things aren't going well for them, well, it must be because they've sinned. You even see it in Jesus' time. Do you remember Jesus was walking with his disciples and there's a person who was born blind who was sitting um, and the disciples asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, who was it that sinned? Was it him or his parents that sinned that caused him to be born blind? And Jesus said, oh, it doesn't, that, that isn't even the way things are working. That's not what's going on. But that's what um, Job's friends thought. They thought, well, I know you think that you're, you've lived righteously, Job, but it's more likely that you've done something to offend God, to make God mad with you, um, or that God's paying you back for something. And I, I would wonder just for a moment, does it, you don't have to say out loud, but I would wonder how that sits with you. Um, do you ever find yourself whether you'd say it out loud or not, but thinking, gosh, things aren't working well for me. What have I done wrong to deserve this? I have. I mean, personally, I think there's a lot of times that I've thought that way. And I think Job's friends aren't coming to him to be mean to Job. They're not coming to tear him down. They're not reveling in his tragedy. They're, they're actually wanting to help him. And they think the best way to help him is, Job, from the outside, what it seems like is that you've done something uh, that's, that's sinful. And really, you're paying for that right now. And it's just, it's an interesting way to see it. Now, how does Job feel about that? Does he go, oh, cool, that's helpful. I like that. (laughs) No, not at all. Job actually disagrees with them. And what I love about this book, guys, it'd be an awesome way to spend like your spare time in the next week. Just pick it up and read it. You don't have to read the whole thing at one time, but just like a little by little, it's a beautiful piece of poetry that's dealing with this issue of why do we suffer? And Job goes back and says, no, it cannot be because of something I've done. I'm absolutely certain that it's not. I know I'm righteous. I know it's not. And he, he really um, fights back. And they, they don't just go home. Each one of the friends kind of leans in even deeper. Oh, yeah, we hear that you're saying that, but this is how the world works. And just think in our world, guys. Um, do, you, do you see that the way that we see God often colors um, the way we see our life? And so it would be very possible to think that God will reward us or will harm us depending on our behavior. And the question is, does, is that the way that the world works? What's going on here? 
And I love this kind of a story because it isn't like God comes out and says, okay, Job, here is the formula. Because I think as, and I'll just speak, I'm an American. Um, I know maybe not everybody here was born, but having been um, raised for most of my life in this world, I'm more um, taught to believe in reason. And so I really do think that often what we look for is a formula to get out of the problem we're in. And so when I look at this, I go, okay, God, what can you please provide me? What is the message Job needs to get out of the mess that he's in? Um, what is the, the message that Job needs to have some kind of a formula and God doesn't provide that often when we read in the scriptures, there are a lot of moments. I don't know about you, but when I open up the scriptures, it doesn't make sense the way that I'd want it to, or things happen that just don't quite mesh with what I, I know to be, or at least I hope to be true about God. And I wonder what's going on here. And it's beautiful. What God does, God opens up a view of the universe as we saw here. And what is it that God says to Job? What does God say when he speaks to Job? Any thoughts? Yeah. Look what I created. You can't comprehend it. So what's his message then? What's God, what's God honestly saying to Job? Maybe so. Yeah. Stand down. Yeah. You've spoken up for a little bit too long. Stand down. Yeah. That might be it. Trust me. Yeah. What if at the core, that's the question of this entire book is can, can God be trusted? Now, I get it. We read a story like this, and I, I don't know how you feel, but I look at it and go, wait, okay. At the beginning of the story, it's God brings up Job to the Satan, right? It's God that brings up Job. It's God's idea. You know, God goes along with this. I don't, I mean, it just doesn't sit well with me. But what if, what if the main story of what we're starting to see here is this idea that God is really asking Job, can I be trusted? And I'd even wonder, like, what if Job's looking for some answer that really isn't going to come through just a few words, but Job's actually, what God's inviting Job into is an opportunity to, to discover him. And what if so often, um, I think, and I don't know about you, but this is how I feel. I think a lot of my religious life has been about just give me the right answer so that I know what to believe. And then I can move on with my other areas of life rather than realizing, well, what if the whole purpose of life isn't knowing the right answer, but it's knowing God and discovering God. And that it wasn't until this horrific moment for Job, or maybe for many of us going through these types of moments actually awakens us to the reality that God is there to be discovered. Now, this morning I was thinking, and in a second I'm going to ask, have you um, kind of uh, talk about a question, but I, I was just thinking about how amazing our universe is. Uh, it's really easy to think of ourselves as being kind of, my, my daughter this week, we were talking about this, I just said, and she's sick, so I don't even know if this made sense to her, but I said, um, we were talking about one of the um, movies that she likes watching, and she was saying, why is he such a bad character? And I said, well, he's bad because all he thinks about is himself. And my daughter, this was Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. 
right? And uh, my daughter said, well, why does he only think about himself? And I go, wow, that's interesting. It's like, well, I think as humans, if you think about it, when we're babies, we're born and everyone takes care of us. And so for a lot of our life, it really is. I mean, everyone takes care of me. But then I said, you know, as we get older, we start to see that life isn't just about us, but that life's about helping others. And I think by then she had probably glazed over and was like, I'm on to something else, you know? But isn't it, isn't the case? Like you just think about how gigantic the universe is and what a small part of it we are. And I was just thinking about, um, I don't know if you've had those kind of moments where you see a sunset or a sunrise and you, you realize, wow, I'm so small. And that could be bad news where you go, oh man, I'm worthless. But I don't think it is. I think it's amazing to think that as um, small as we are, we're still held in the hand of a creator who cares about us and loves us, but we're not the center of creation. We're a beautiful part of it. And what my hope would be as we really kind of engage in this conversation today is how, um, how much thirst do you have to just dive into knowing God? Um, not just to get right answers and to know um, the equations or the formulas about how, how life works, but to actually know the one who designed life. So I wanted to start off with a question here, if we um, can put it up on the screen. This is, I'd love for you to think about this and then discuss it with those around you, but can you describe, I put an moment, I apologize, that's incorrect English. Describe a moment in your life that caused you to hunger to know God. Have you, can you remember a time in your life where you wanted to know more about God? And it might be now, or it might have been a long time ago. Can you describe that to the people around you? When was a time you felt like, I really want to know more? I want to know God for who God is. Make sense? Yeah, so let's take a few moments to think about that and then to discuss it um, with those around you. All right. Anybody feel comfortable sharing for you uh, when it might have been a time that you felt like, yeah, hey, I'm, I have a hunger right now to know God? Awesome. Yeah, when was that for you? Thank you for sharing. And thank you for your service. Anyone else feel comfortable sharing? You can't teach that you have to go through that oh, that's so beautiful thank you Ted um, I, I teach high school so I teach juniors and seniors and one of the things I've, we've been talking about in my class this year I asked the students what do you think would happen for you if there weren't grades anymore um, if you could could you possibly just learn and learning itself would be the reward for you and many, many, probably 95% were just like, no way, no way. Um, because the moment that I didn't have grades, like I'm just sitting back on the couch and I was like, so you really think that's the way it is? So you only learn because uh, you get pushed into this having to learn. Learning's not the, the goal for you. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. And I wonder, like, I wonder if often it feels like that, tends to be the case for a lot of us. Like, uh, and I'd say all of us. 
Um, I wonder if sometimes the system that we're in quelches our desire to learn and explore and to discover. We just kind of want, I just want what I came here for. I just want the basic answers and then that's it. Where the actual reward in life, what if the reward in life was jumping in head first and, uh, you know, what Ted was talking about, this infinite God that you'll never get your mind around and knowing more and more and more um, and that there was never going to be a formulaic A, B, and C, this is what we have to do, but we're always going to be put into situations that stretch us to know God more. And, and I, I think a lot of it, um, for me at least, the reason I think that I tend to fall or like um, care more about knowing God in my hard times is that I seek comfort. So I think when I've gone through a hard time and I've focused on God and I've learned some new lesson, I get to that new place and go, okay, I'm good now. Um, I want to stay here. Whereas I feel like God has set up really a system in life that keeps pushing us and expanding us and growing us to know more and more of who he is. And I'd love, I'd love to get to a point to where I don't have to sit back and wait for tough moments to teach me that, but where I could wake up every day and look at it as a new opportunity to explore the depths of who God is and his love for me. I wanted to read a story to you real quick um, that I think is really interesting. It says, a party of pioneers entered a new land. Game was plentiful in the verdant forests. Rivers sparkled with enormous trout, easily plucked from their glacial waters. The air was pure and sweet. An enormous sky stretched from a green horizon to white-capped peaks. Everywhere the pioneers looked, beauty and majesty beckoned. Everyone agreed it was just the place that they had imagined to make a new life for themselves. And after tramping into the dark forest, they sat around their evening campfires and they told stories of their explorations. Soon trees were felled and cabins were built. Youngest to oldest sweated together, carrying stones out of the meadows so that crops could be planted and harvested to sustain them through the long winters. After the dangers of the trail, creating a settlement was a welcome change. The men still hunted and fished, of course, and the women and children often entered the forest to pick the berries or look for mushrooms, but fewer trips into the really wild lands were required. Everything needful was now close at hand. Rather than exploring, the settlers went on holiday excursions to familiar places for swimming or picnics. Their early adventurous days in the dark forest and mist-shrouded peaks held wonderful memories, but... They had built homesteads and were busy with the tasks of daily life. In the evenings, as they sat in front of their cabins, watching the sun turn the peaks a fiery pink, sometimes they speculated about the wilderness valleys that they had never explored. We should mount a new expedition, someone would propose, prompting nods all around. Seldom did anything come of it. One summer, the stream running through their valley dried up throwing the community into disarray and prompting an emergency excursion to its headwaters. Once every year or so, greasy mountain men ambled into the settlement with tantalizing tales of the territory beyond the mountains. Forests overpopulated with game and rivers so thick with fish you could walk across them. While the wilderness still occasionally beckoned to them, 
most of the people in the community remained content with what they already knew. What does that bring up for you? And what makes you say that? So happy where I'm at, complacency, lazy Christians. I've achieved what I came to Christianity for. Somebody said something over here. Comfortable status quo. Comfort's a good, I like comfort a lot, you know? Creatures of habit. Settling, boring. Imagine God is real and is infinite. And there's nothing outside of this God's purview. That this God, there is nothing that he cannot do. Just with words can craft entire universes and experiences. Can create bodies like yours and mine that have trillions upon trillions upon trillions of cells can put you on this earth, can breathe life into you, can create meaning and beauty and love and power. And imagine that that God gives you full reign over creation as stewards of the world and the universe to make of the world um, the things of your dreams. Um, to create in the relationships around you relationships that are beautiful and vibrant and growing and uh, meaningful, that you get to continue breathing life into the earth the way that he breathes life into the earth. What could ever stop you from wanting to know more about what that God is like? What do you think stops us? What's that? This world? And what about the world? Yeah, so distractions. Yeah, absolutely. What is it for you guys? What has stopped you? What for you, if it has, I'm not even saying it stopped you, but say it if it has, what stopped you from leaning in and saying, I want to learn more. I, I want to have an appetite to know God deeper. Laziness? Laziness? Pride? What was that? Busyness. Yeah. What, um, what kind of fear do you see? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yes. It really does. Because you, you know you won't be. Yeah. Sarah? That's so good. Thank you change um, so and when you were talking there was a passage that, that came up in my mind it was when Jesus in uh, John chapter 5 he was teaching to um, teaching to some Pharisees and then also to his disciples and he said you search the scriptures because you think in them you'll find life but they speak of me which I, can, I can't even begin to imagine how unsettling that kind of a comp- comment would be. It's as if Jesus is saying, your life is in fully immersed in the scriptures, and it's not a bad thing. The scriptures are beautiful. But he's saying, you're looking for all of the answers to life in this book, and I'm the answer. The book is speaking about me. 
And so he's not telling them, don't worry, but don't read the scriptures, don't understand the scriptures, but he's breaking down. He's basically, the reason he ended up getting killed was because they felt that he was tearing down the fabric of everything that they had held dear. And he was simply trying to pull them into a new world. And that's where I would wonder, how do we engage God and find God? Maybe the answer, and I think the scriptures are definitely a part of it. Um, I think prayer is definitely a part of it. I think community is a part of it. But a big part of the reason I grow and change is, is experiences. Like where I, I find that the, the times of my life I'm most hungry for God is when I, I really look at my life and I say, where am I not pressing forward anymore? Or where am I not putting myself or allowing myself um, to be in areas that are uncomfortable? And then I even wonder how often do I just sit and listen to God? How often do I seek him the way that Job did? Um, I usually only do it the way Job did when I'm forced to do that. Do you ever find that? When was the last time for you that you, there was no other answer than to go to God? Almost always. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. And scary. Yeah, that's. Okay, that's great. I, I know for me, I, it's, it's much less often. Um, I'm with you on this. And what I'd love for us to do as we close is I'd actually love to encourage us to take um, five minutes uh, where we could have a, just a time of silence. Um, you're welcome to be, I mean, anywhere in this room, you don't have to sit where you're at. You don't even have to sit. Um, but I was, I would wonder whether or not we can take five minutes, um, to connect to God. And that might feel weird at first. Like, well, what does that even look like? It could just be just listening. Is there anything that God's been telling you in the busy, busyness of your life that just keeps coming up, but it gets pushed to the side? I think it's a discipline that we just have to learn how to hear his voice. But let's take five minutes to connect with God, to talk with him, and then we'll come back together. You're welcome to go outside too if you'd like. I'm sure that there was a time in Job's life when he would have agreed with the way that his friends saw things. Uh, they, he would have thought, yep, that's how God is. You know, God blesses those who do well. God punishes those who don't. And so your life can be described that way. But it wasn't until he went through a moment that stretched him more than he could really to his limit that he realized, oh, God isn't that way. He saw God more accurately. And it's interesting how those kind of moments in life that we'll all go through moments that will stretch us and move us and that the things we want saw, when we saw God 10 years ago, the way we saw him 10 years ago isn't the way we relate to him now. And I wonder if you feel that way, if you look back through your life and you go, oh, wow, I've learned, I really have learned a lot about God through experiences and I've grown and I, God has become much more big to me and God's become much more personal to me. My hope would be that this morning you don't walk away feeling um, shame um, through this conversation. My hope wouldn't be that you walk away going, oh man, I should do this. And oh, I should, why haven't I? What's wrong with me? It, uh, that would be the opposite of my hope for you. My hope would be that you would actually 
um, not feel any of that, but that you just would kind of take a deep breath and breathe in the, the creator of the universe and realize that God is, God is passionately in love with, um, with us that God is a God that can be trusted. And I look at the story of Job, and as he was stretched, he realized more and more, oh yeah, God can be trusted. Even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of pain, God's in control. So the hope would be that, um, that you wouldn't walk away feeling shame or I should, but that you'd actually realize, no, it's just an awesome invitation um, that we can all together explore and discover God and I would even wonder, are we, we'll, I don't think we're ever going to get to the end of God. And I'm not even just saying on this earth, but is it possible that we'll go on to live for all eternity, knowing more and more about God and never still get around who God is? If God is infinite, then there isn't an edge to God. And so what if, what if it isn't about, I got to know it all right now. God, tell me who exactly who you are right now. But what if it's, just jumping into the pool and learning more, letting God just teach you who he is um, and just being open. Maybe it's just that we open up our eyes and just say, okay, I'm, I'm in, you know, um, rather than waiting until that next moment that forces us into that pool. And so that would be a hope. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm not saying this as someone who, well, let me teach you what I've learned. Like it's, I'm doing this with you and I go through that too. So does anybody have any, any thoughts or anything that you'd want to say as we close? And you had said that the moral of the story was don't listen to your wife. Yeah. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Yeah. It's biblical. No. <laughs> so I'm just joking there, by the way. So. Any, any other thoughts? Well, um, guys, have a wonderful rest of the day and um, an incredible week. And thank you um, for having me give um, the pastor, give him a big hug when he comes back. And guys, have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.